Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Red Pill Your Healthcast. My name is Dr. Charlie Fagenholtz. I'm here with Lauren Johnson, everyone's favorite nurse practitioner. And we have a really cool guest today. We've been doing guests lately, and we've been getting good feedback. So we are going to keep doing what y'all want us to do. Um, and so everyone's really familiar with the term biological dentistry. And so we have a specific type of dentist on the show today. Her name is Dr. Michelle Jorgensen, and she is in Utah. Um, but before I do any disservice by explaining what she does, I just want to kind of let her do her thing, why she does not say biological dentistry, and then the conversation will take us wherever we need to go. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to speak with your your listeners and I would like to tell my story because I think it explains really kind of this, this idea of, um, you know, what is biologic dentistry? Cause you said, you know, everybody's familiar with it, but even that term brings a lot of confusion. You know, people don't have a clue what it means. No. So let me just tell you how I got to where I am and where I, what I call myself now. <laughs> um, I was just a general dentist, regular dentist practicing and had been for about 10 years when I started to get really sick. Now, my father's a dentist. I have two brothers that are orthodontists. I was just telling you before we went on air, uh, two brothers that are orthodontists, another brother that's an oral surgeon. So this is just what our family does. And I just thought that that's what I would do forever. You know, I would just keep practicing dentistry, doing a great job of it. And that's not what happened. So I started getting really sick. And of course, I didn't think of dentistry as my problem. I just started trying to fix everything. You know, I had really bad gut issues. My hands were going numb any, all the time, but especially when I was working. So I couldn't hold instruments very well. And my brain was just shot. Like I've always had a really good memory, but I couldn't remember anything. I couldn't remember patients' names from room to room. So it was very apparent something was really wrong. But unfortunately, no doctors could tell me what was wrong. You know, I did the path that most people take or a lot of people take where you go to doctor, to doctor, to doctor, and everybody says, you're just fine. We don't know what's wrong with you. Like, but something is really wrong here. And finally, I had my practice for sale and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. Young mom of four kids. The practice was our income. You know, we didn't know what we were going to do. And uh, another practitioner that I was talking with said, you know, you sound a lot like me. Have you looked into mercury poisoning? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any mercury fillings. I knew silver fillings had mercury in them. We'd been taught that in school. But he said, no, no, it's not the ones you have. It's the ones you've been drilling out for the last 10 years and breathing in all those fumes. That was literally the first time I'd ever heard that, that that mm -hmm. could be a concern for me. And I'd been a dentist for 10 years, plus dental school, you know, prior to that. And no one had ever said that that could be a problem. So I got tested and that's what it was. Off the charts, mercury poisoning. So all of a sudden, numbness made sense, gut health made sense, brain health made sense. All these things made sense because mercury is a neurotoxin. I was just frying my brain, frying my nerves. So the doctor said, all right, if you're going to get healthy, you can't keep putting it in. You got to get it out. And so what are you going to do? I had to try to find out if there was a way to do my job and drill those fillings out, but not breathe it in. And I found an organization that already had protocol for this, didn't know they existed, had to go and learn what they were doing and eventually started doing it for my health. But then patients would say, uh, this is a little different. Like, what are you doing here? I don't want to, you know, you usually don't wear this crazy mask and this crazy suit and cover me up when I'm getting fillings out. And so I'd explain it to them and they were all very helpful, happy, you know, that I was doing it for them, for them as well. And eventually word spread. Doctors started seeking us out, started asking us to do other procedures that I didn't have a clue about. So I'd have to go learn what those were. And eventually it morphed into what I have now, which I call health-based dentistry. The reason I call it health-based dentistry is because if you say biologic, you don't really know what it means. 
Nobody really knows what that means. If you say holistic, they think you're crazy. So, you know, they think that when you walk in my office, there's going to be like beads hanging in the door and we're going to be burning incense and chanting over you and, you know, all the crazy stuff. So I don't really like to be associated with those things because that is so not us. Like if you come to my office, we are the most technologically advanced office you will find anywhere because we have to back up everything we do. You know, most dentists, they say, oh, yeah, I do, yeah, I do this. But if you ask them why, they're just, yeah, it's just because what we do. If you ask me why, I can tell you 10 PubMed articles to tell you why I do what I do, because I have to stand by what I say. So we are not hippie. We are not crazy. We are backed by science and we are focused on your health. So that's why we call it health-based dentistry. So that's what we do now. Now we have a multi-specialty clinic, see people from all over the world, and we help people return to health through the signs and symptoms and things that are going on in the mouth. I love that you said that because you said you have to back it up. Um, And I find that as a nurse practitioner that comes from a conventional background, the the doctors and nurse practitioners or PAs or whoever, anyone, dentists, anyone doing anything different, you have to back it up um, because you're going to be attacked. And I'm sure you say things that might make conventional dentists a little angry. What are some of those things that you find are different than what conventional dentistry would would tell you. Oh, there's some serious sacred cows in dentistry. (laughs) Fluoride is one of them. So you start talking fluoride and you're going to get a lot of arrows in your back. So I talk about fluoride a lot, but I talk about it from a very scientific background. Um, Another big one is mercury. So the, the dental profession in general and dentists just in general, tell me I'm crazy, but the good news is, is that they can't refute my story. And I've learned that lesson the hard way. And this, I, I tell people this all the time, patients, listeners, whomever, when we're excited about something that's changing with our health, we're so excited to share. You know, this is just what we do as humans. We're like, oh, I'm feeling so much better. Let me tell you about it. But people don't always want to know, <laughs> you know, they need to take their own journey. And so I've learned the hard way. All right. I'm not going to just bombard you with what I know or what I believe now, but nobody can refute my story. So I had a really interesting experience. Um, I was at the very end of a long continuum, an education continuum. It was nine weekends. And I did this over about five years time because these were intensive. Each one costs $6,000. So you can just do the math here. You know, nine times six times time away from practice, travel expenses, everything. I was at the last day of the last course. I was sitting at lunch. So anybody that's still sitting, that's sitting at that table, you know, they've committed $100,000 plus a ton of time to be able to get there. One of the doctors at the table starts telling the story about how there was a dentist in his building who wears a hazmat suit to take out mercury fillings. And they're laughing. Everybody at the table's laughing. So I'm sitting there and I think, do I say anything? Do I not? (laughs) And I always say something. So I've had to say something. But what I said is, can I share my story with you? And I shared my story. And of course, they were all very apologetic and embarrassed. And I said, no, 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 that's not the reason I share. The reason I share is because I don't want you to be the next person that has this problem. And that's really how I take those arrows is, let me just share my story with you. Hmm. Show me what you know. I'll show you what what I know. Let's put it together to make the best for everybody. So mercury is a big one. Fluoride is a big one. We talked before we got on here about one that's orthodontics and mouth health. There was just an article just came out this week 
just totally blasting this concept of tongue tie releases and babies and infants. These are all arrows <laughs> that we've had to endure. Ozone is a huge one. Ozone, what the heck's ozone? That's like super crazy, right? You know? So these are, these are big ones that we have to really learn how to talk about the right way. Yeah. One of the, it's, you know, obviously I'd say mercury and fluoride are the two biggies yeah. uh, that really throw traditional dentistry for a loop. When I was in Cairo school, um, I learned that fluoride was a neurotoxin that destroys your brain and thyroid and, and all that stuff. And, and uh, mercury as well. And I started listening to Weston Price and all that good stuff. And I remember going back to my general dentist and doing a cleaning, but I turned down fluoride. And he's like, he comes in the room, he's like, so why don't you want fluoride? Because it prevents cavities, it does all this stuff, which I want to talk, we want to definitely ask you about your take on cavities. And he uh, proceeded to follow me out into the waiting room, arguing with me why fluoride is okay. And I'm a 20... 24 year old kid, right in chiropractic school at this point. He's a you know been in practice 20 plus years, and he's then starts talking about how mercury has been proven safe and all this stuff. And come to find out, 10 years later, he can't practice anymore because he's gone. He's lost. He's gone. You know, he he is um, out to lunch, so to speak, and uh, it's a shame. But some people are just not ready to hear it. You know, it, it's timing is everything, and hopefully more people wake up to this. And general dentistry definitely. Uh, uh, goes more in that direction. You know, and one thing that people don't understand, I didn't understand it for a long time, is that regulatory agencies like the American Dental Association, their job is to take care of the dentists, the profession of dentistry. That's their job. And so if there was, let's say someone ever said mercury is toxic and mercury and fillings could be bad for your health. If they said that, and if they banned mercury in the United States, which they've done in numerous European countries, but just yeah. not here, um, if they did that, every dentist who's ever placed or removed a dental, a mercury filling in the United States would be under class action lawsuit. Totally. That's the way the United States works. So what happens is the regulatory agency to protect the profession is the American Dental Association. They will never let that happen. Now, this isn't like a conspiracy theory or something bad. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that their job, you have to think about who their audience is. Who are the ones that are paying the American Dental Association? I pay them $1,000 a year, you know, to be a member of that, of that organization. Why? Because they protect the dentist. Unfortunately, sometimes that means they don't necessarily protect all of you that are listening <laughs> because their job is to protect the dentist from legal action. They can't say that these are problematic, but I can because I have research that backs what I say and what I tell you. So really the movement needs to come from the outside in because it's not going to come from the inside out. It can't, it simply can't. Yeah. Same thing with nursing and, um, and any yeah. type of, it, it's the same thing. I mean, it, yeah. it's shocking that they will turn a blind eye, but they, they literally can't. Um, yeah. they're, and, and you, there's not a big solution for it. Um, no. other than it being a grassroots, like the providers are really saying, no, this isn't right. This is how I'm doing this. And this is why. And that's when we're starting to turn the tide. And I really do feel like we're starting to turn the tide a little bit. Um, I don't know about in dentistry because I do feel like there's a lot. Every day I talk to somebody who went to a dentist and their dentist has just made them feel kind of bad about saying no to fluoride. So what are some of the reasons that you... Um, what are some of the reasons that you don't use fluoride and what do you use instead? Yeah, because everybody's like, well, gosh, I'm just going to get a mouthful of cavities now. That's what everybody says. And that's what their dentist tells them, right? That's what your dentist told you. You're just yep. going to get cavities then. So let's back up 
and talk about what is a cavity even? What is it formed? How is it formed? And how do you then prevent it? What a cavity is, is simply the, the two structure you see, you know, the part when you smile and you look in the mirror, the part you're looking at is called hydroxyapatite. It's the, the mineral that our teeth are made of. It's a mineral complex of calcium, phosphorus, bunch of different minerals put together and it creates a crystal. So that is what these teeth are made of. If there is something acidic, so I always use the example of you've seen people pour Coke on the terminals of a battery and it dissolves all that crud, right? Because acid dissolves minerals. It will pull minerals into solution. That's what acid does. So if you have something acidic on your tooth, it will dissolve the minerals that your tooth is made of. So what are those things? People always say sugar. Well, no, actually sugar, it's mildly acidic, but actually sugar is not the problem. It's the bacteria that always live in your mouth. We have to have them in here. They eat the sugar. They love sugar. It's a favorite food. It's everybody's favorite food, right? It's the bacteria's favorite food too. When they eat the sugar, they create acid. That's basically, I, I tell kids all the time, I'm like, they poop acid <laughs> onto your tooth and that's what eats your tooth. That's what creates a hole or pulls the minerals out of your tooth. So a cavity is simply demineralizing your tooth, pulling minerals from the tooth. It then creates a hole, microscopic hole, but guess what? Bacteria are microscopic. They crawl down in that hole and then they keep eating sugar and they creep, keep dropping their acid and they, the hole gets deeper and the hole gets deeper and now they're into the inside of the tooth and that's a cavity. You also can have it created from foods you eat. So if you're drinking a lot of acid, which the most acidic food that people are eating or consuming today is soda. Soda is incredibly acidic. Um, battery acid is the acidity of about two. The lower the number, the more acidic it is. It's about a two, while soda is in the three range. We want to be in at seven. Seven is balanced. Seven is neutral. Soda is three. Battery acid is two. So you're nearly drinking battery acid when you're drinking soda. All of these foods are going to just simply pull minerals from your tooth and leave a hole. The bacteria crawl in the hole. So if you have a hole in the tooth, doesn't it make sense that you would plug the hole with the same mineral that came out of the hole? Right? Just makes mm -hmm. sense. But... What they found clear back in Weston Price's day, 1930s, is there were places that people were drinking well water and they weren't getting as many cavities. Their teeth were kind of splotchy, like white and brown splotchy, but they weren't getting cavities. So they researched, well, what's in that water? And they found that that water had high levels of natural fluoride. So doing something good, they said, well, gosh, if that prevented fluoride in those people, then let's just put it in everybody's water or let's take a pill or let's put it in our toothpaste. Again, not for a bad reason. I never talk about controversy and like conspiracy. And, you know, sometimes these things just started for a good reason, but they didn't know all the information. So what happened is they added, started adding fluoride to all these tooth products for good reason. Let's prevent tooth decay. What does fluoride do? Well, fluoride fills the holes. Fluoride changes the mineral structure of a tooth and it fills the hole. So it makes it so the bacteria can't keep spreading. They can't get in. The idea is great, right? Does it work? It does. Like it does make your teeth stronger 100%. The problem is exactly what you said. It also affects every other cell in your body. Nothing that we put in our body affects just one place. We can't just put it one place. If we can just put it right there on your tooth and let it sit there and it doesn't go anywhere else, then let's use fluoride all day long. But we can't. It goes to our bones because bones are made of the same mineral. It goes to the thyroid. You already referenced that. How does it affect the thyroid? Well, it bullies out iodine and iodine is the thing that activates thyroid hormone. So now we have all these people who have low energy. They feel like they have low thyroid function, but their blood tests say they're just fine. Why? 
because fluoride is in the hormone instead of iodine. So it affects thyroid function, it affects brains. There's some PubMed research articles I can show you that show IQ decreases in children when taking fluoride. I mean, how scary is that? Literally. So I'm saying, okay, fluoride fixes a tooth, but does something, could like something else fix a tooth that doesn't also affect the rest of us so poorly, so negatively? Well, how about we just put back the mineral that came out? Fluoride didn't come out. That's like a cavity is not fluoride deficiency. Fluoride didn't come out of the tooth. Why are we putting it back? Let's put back what we lost, which is hydroxyapatite. So that's where we're seeing all these hydroxyapatite products now coming across, across the uh, whole, thankfully, we're seeing a lot more of them because it's just putting back the mineral that you lost. That's all it is. It's remineralizing the tooth. So it's very simple when it gets, comes down to it. And this is what I tell people when people, when their dentist pushes fluoride, you say, oh, you know what? I get it. Fluoride actually makes my teeth stronger. Thank you for caring for me like that. I appreciate that. But you know what? Hydroxyapatite does too. That's what I'm going to choose instead, because I actually feel better about that for my body and for my kiddos. I love that response. I have a question about SDF. Have, do you use that? Nope. (laughs) Diamine fluoride. Is that correct? Diamine fluoride. It's highly concentrated fluoride. Yep. And, and what are, and so that's a topical application that can just like a one-time or two-time thing that can help with cavities and some dentists do use it? Correct. So silver is the carrier for that fluoride. So when you put it on a tooth, it turns the tooth black. And you'll see kiddos, if you look up silver diamine fluoride on the internet, and you'll see kiddos where they painted this black stuff all across all these kiddos' teeth on the very front, and their teeth are black, and it doesn't go away. It doesn't wash off. This is now this now incorporates into the tooth. Those silver particles incorporate into the mineral structure of the tooth. Does it stop decay? It doesn't reverse decay, but what it does is that high concentration of silver and fluoride actually kills bacteria at the surface level. So what you're doing is you're in essence just killing the bugs that are crawling into the holes. So it's not reversing decay at all. What it's doing is it's buying time. So often when we're looking at a kiddo and they have tooth decay and expanding tooth decay, the thing that we have to struggle with as a practitioner is that that little kid can't sit here. (laughs) You know, their attention span isn't long enough to allow us to do the work that needs to be done. I mean, dentistry is invasive. Adults don't like it, let alone a kid who doesn't understand what the heck we're doing. So dentists will use silver diamine fluoride to buy time. They paint it on to try to slow bacterial growth so that the kid will get six months under their belt. And maybe in six months, they'll be able to sit still long enough for us to actually do the work that needs to be done on the tooth. So that's what silver diamine fluoride does is it just slows growth, slows growth down long enough that hopefully we can then buy some time. Do I use it? I don't. Because research is actually showing that it's only killing the surface level of bacteria. So if the cavity is actually extended fairly, you know, far into the tooth, it's going to continue growing underneath that silver layer. And it's really not doing a lot of good. I prefer just to actually fix the problem rather than just push it off six more months. So we will recommend, and people ask this all the time. Parents ask me this all the time. Do you do sedation for kids? And the answer is yes. And the reason is, number one, I don't want that decay to to get further, to get deeper and bigger. Kids' teeth are so thin. The enamel is so thin that decay will get from the outside of the tooth to the nerve in about six months time because they just aren't very thick. Adult teeth are much thicker. You know, they're meant to last a lot longer. Baby teeth aren't. So if a cavity starts, it's going to get to the nerve quickly. We don't have a lot of time to waste. So we need to be able to take care of the tooth quickly. We need to be able to do it safely. 
you know, we use a lot of sharp stuff and little stuff. And if a kid's moving around and swallowing and it can be really dangerous for that child if they're moving around while that procedure is happening. And the third thing is, is how many people do you know that just despise the dentist? And they talk about it. Oh yeah, my dentist held me down when I was little. And you know, they, I mean, I hear all these stories. Well, the worst thing I could possibly be is that dentist that they talk about when they're 70, you know? This dentist traumatized me for life. Well, I don't want to be that dentist. So we do recommend sedation so that we can just get the cavities gone. Let's just get them out of the mouth. So we don't need to use silver diamine fluoride. I do have an alternative though, because sometimes I do want to buy time just a little bit. We use ozone instead. So ozone is also antimicrobial. It's going to kill any bug. Doesn't matter what it is. So we use ozone right on the surface of the tooth. It's going to be antimicrobial. I use it if cavities are just starting. If they're just starting, we use ozone, kill the bugs, and then we send them home with hydroxyapatite tooth products that they're going to remineralize with, and we avoid doing fillings at all with mm-hmm. those two things. Well, I have a question for you. So similar to root canal, and I don't remember all the anatomy of the tooth with the dentin and, and uh, blood vessels and stuff. So if if the if the cavities are beneath are deeper than just getting to the superficial is there a chance that the bacteria can still get into the blood uh, stream or is it not uh, connected to like uh, microtubules under the tooth like a root canal would be it whole absolutely is connected to all of that the tooth has like you'd explained microtubules inside so there's a main canal inside of the tooth that houses the blood vessels the nerves but that canal brings nutrients to the tooth well nutrients need to get all the way to the outside So there's little micro channels that go all the way from that main channel all the way to the outside of the tooth. Usually fluid flow inside the tooth. There's actually fluid flow inside of the tooth. Usually fluid flow flows from the inside out. So it goes up and it goes out. So it's kind of a natural cavity protectant, you know, and that it's pushing things off of the tooth. If your body has enough natural minerals, if you're feeding your body, you know, minerals and it's getting in there, then it can remineralize from the inside out as well. But there's interesting, there's two times, two primary times when that fluid flow reverses and it's related to hormone function. So there's two times in lifespans that have massive hormone shifts. One time for men, two times for women. (laughs) One time for all of us as teenage years. And how many times do we hear of kids getting just a mouthful of cavities in teenage years? In fact, I'll see adults that come in to have me remove the mercury filling safely And they've got like 15 mercury fillings in their mouth. And I'll say, wow, you got these when you were 12, didn't you? And they just look at me like, how did you know? I said, because that's when everybody gets 12 cavities. Or, you know, that's when when everybody gets mouthfuls when they're 12 years old. You know, you're not brushing great, but your body has a huge demand for nutrients, for minerals when you're growing bones like that. And the fluid flow reverses when your hormone change. So that's one. And the second is pregnancy. Pregnancy is when those hormones hit big time for mamas. And so we hear a lot of mamas saying, this root canal is from this kid and this crown is from this kid, you know, because the the two started bringing the fluid flow reverse to start bringing things in. So those are two times in life where you have to do more kiddos, any growing kid, especially teens, especially when you're growing a child inside of you, which is called pregnancy. So those are times where you just have to have more minerals than ever, because yes, that fluid flow is going to reverse. It's going to pull bacteria in going to pull bacteria. It's going to affect your body and it's going to lead to higher rates of tooth decay. And with that, with the hormones, is there a specific hormone that's associated or is it like, is it a xenoestrogen, estrogen dominance issue, low progesterone, or is it just the 
the shift that's actually happening as a whole is what's going on. Like, is there, is there a way for listeners who are like, yeah, my, you know, my daughter is 15 years old and going through this. Can I check if it's too much xenoestrogens or if it's not enough progesterone or if it's cortisol issues or norepinephrine, things like that? It's more the the shift in hormone levels, the Got shift it. in hormone balances. It's that shift that everything's just off with hormone development and hormone management, and it's changing that fluid flow. So mm-hmm. at those times, you just have to add more minerals, more minerals from the inside, more minerals from the outside. Cool. Yeah. Yep. I love, I love that you talk about minerals. I talk a lot about that a lot with hormone health and nervous system health, which is such a big time for teenagers to, I mean, that's, those are big issues. We see how many teens have anxiety or how many teens have heavy or uh, teen girls have heavy periods. Teen boys might have a lot of acne or, or hormone fluctuations. And so that is such an important thing. So moving on. So we discussed cavities. We discussed, um, what about kids who have like just tons of cavities? You think that is a purely a mineral thing. Is there anything else at play like mouth breathing or, or anything like that? hundred percent. Two things. Number one is gut function. And, you know, I talk to people about this all day long. If you're getting rapid tooth decay, you need to look at your gut because most likely what's going on is you are not absorbing minerals properly and your body needs minerals for essential functions like your brain and your heart. You know, if those two things stop, you stop your brain, your life stops. So your body will prioritize those two functions and it requires a lot of minerals. So if you don't get enough minerals through either, you're not eating enough, you know, your, your diets are very, very poor in minerals, which is a part of the problem today because our food is really depleted. We don't get, we don't, there's no minerals in our soil that our food's growing in. So we get food that doesn't have anything in it. I'm a big gardener. So this is a big thing that I talk about. So it might be that we're just not eating enough, but the second problem is we might not be absorbing enough. Yeah. So I'm, the I'm gut- glad you're starting with this because every time that people ask questions on Instagram of cavities uh, and bleeding gums and all this. And I always go to to gut health and every single person who's obsessed with mouth breathing always comments, no, it's mouth breathing. It's mouth breathing. I'm like, no, I get it. And it can be, but if you don't start with gut health, all of that can lead to more mouth breathing. Yep. Yep. So we're going to talk about mouth breathing, but you have to do gut health first because gut health may be the reason that you're mouth breathing. Yep. <laughs> like, you know, like it's just all goes back to there. So we talk a ton about gut function. If the body doesn't get enough minerals, it will find them where it can. And I tell people all the time, like there's this, there's this weird nebulous concept that we think about that, like, we're just going to get stuff from somewhere. Like, well, does it rain on you? Like, where does it come from? <laughs> like, you, if you don't consume it, where are you going to get it from? It doesn't just materialize magically. It has to come from somewhere. And if it goes to your gut and your gut can't actually break those minerals or ionize those minerals to make them absorbable, then your body says, well, you didn't feed them to me. I didn't get them through your gut. So I'm going to have to go find them somewhere. So it goes mining. Where does it mine minerals from? From your teeth and your bones. your bones. So if you're getting cavities and you don't understand it, and people will come in and they'll start with adults, older adults, they'll start getting cavities right along the gum line. And they're like, gosh, I'm brushing, I'm brushing. I'm like, it's not brushing. You don't understand. If it were brushing, you wouldn't get a cavity. It's because your body is low in minerals. You're not absorbing. Your gut function is trash. And now your body's pulling minerals. The first place it will show up in an adult is along the gum line because that's the thinnest part of the enamel. It thins as it gets nearer the root. So that's the place it pull. It pulls from the whole tooth. Like it's dissolving your whole tooth. 
but the gum line area is the thinnest layer. So you're going to see a cavity there first. So people, when I say that, they're like, oh, this is why I have seven gum line cavities and I've never had a cavity before. You got it because your gut is pulling mineral, your body's pulling minerals from your teeth to feed the rest of you. So that's step number one. Are you getting enough minerals? So that's why I highly, I hit this hydroxyapatite piece. That's why I created a tooth powder and a mouth rinse that both have hydroxyapatite in them. So you can get minerals from the outside. You need to get them from the inside too. What does, what does mouth breathing have to do with any of this? So what mouth breathing does, I mean, there's, we can talk about mouth breathing for days, but um, the reason it leads to tooth decay is because it dries out the mouth. Why does that matter? Well, saliva is the delivery unit for minerals to the tooth. This is how we often get minerals from the body into the tooth is the saliva delivers it to the outside of the tooth. So if you don't have saliva, if you got a really dry mouth and you know, I was just sick last week. My nose was stuffed. I would wake up in the morning. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I got a desert living in here. This is miserable. How do people do this every day? (laughs) It feels so terrible. Um, But you know, just that dry, like the tongue stuck to the corner, you know, it just feels awful. Because saliva is not there. Saliva, again, it's the remineralizer, but it's also the thing that manages bacterial loads. So if you don't have saliva, if you got that dry mouth, you're going to have an increase in bacteria, which we know bacteria eat the sugar, they poop the acid and you get a cavity, but you also don't have that natural remineralizer. So can mouth breathing lead to tooth decay? Absolutely. In conjunction with make sure you're getting enough minerals. Both of them need to happen because you can just tape your mouth closed But if you're not getting enough minerals, you're going to still keep getting cavities. Mm -hmm. So you have to get both of those things happening to be able to really avoid that tooth decay. Yeah, Mm. I I love that you bring up the gut part. And we talk a lot about that on here. Like that's something that, um, you know, we'll talk about it with ADHD. We'll talk about it with hormone issues. We'll talk about it with all kinds of things because it's just such a it's a big factor. Um, If you're not absorbing what you're eating, then what? you don't have the things that you need for all of these systems to work. And so I, I love that you bring that up. Um, what about children who have like, they're like, they're t- like tooth crowding, like, cause we're seeing a lot of that. Um, and I actually was at my biologic dentist the other day and she said that they're actually seeing some kids not have adult teeth coming in as well um, at all. Like they're like missing, but also that there's this tooth crowding. Why do you feel like that has become such a big issue today? So this is goes right back to Weston Price when you talked about him. Oh, I, was, I was just about to say this is Weston Price 101. <laughs> Weston Price 101. In the 1930s, Weston Price was so dismayed because children were getting a lot of cavities. So he decided to, to figure out why. He was, people don't know this, he was actually the head of the American Dental Association Research Department. So he was a well-known, well-respected dentist. He wasn't a quack. He wasn't a crazy person. He was a well-respected dentist and he wanted to get to the bottom of this. So he found indigenous societies all over the world, which we couldn't find them today. There are no indigenous societies that haven't been touched by what modern food has done, you know? So he was in a real sweet spot. He had a camera. He could take pictures of what he found. And he found a couple of things. He was looking to find out what does food, the foods that they were eating, how did it affect tooth health? But he also found it affected growth and development. That was the big one that he really noticed. And that was the really cool thing about the camera is because he could show facial structures. He could show this in 
pictorial evidence to say, no, 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 look at their faces. Look at the faces of the mom. Look at the faces of the kid. It's different. What's going on here? What's changed? Well, what did change? Their diet. The diet changed. And what happened is that foods were highly mineral and vitamin rich. And what he found is that those who had poorer mouth health, poorer tooth decay, less growth in their face, all those kinds of things had five times less water-soluble vitamins, 10 times less fat-soluble vitamins. That's A, D, E, and K. Why do you need those? Well, this is really important. We just talked about minerals. Vitamins, particularly vitamins D3 and K2 are the, what I call cofactors or keys to get minerals into the cell. So if you do not have those vitamins, what happens is the minerals float around freely in the body and they go land places and they create things like gallstones, kidney stones, hardening of the arteries and tartar on your teeth. This is because the minerals can't actually get into the cell. It requires the vitamin D, vitamin K to get into the cell. And it's K2. People always say, no, K1 is for bleeding. It's true. This is K2. It's different. This gets, this gets minerals into the cell. So Weston Price found that when people were eating a diet that was high in minerals and high in vitamins, their faces were whiter. Their smiles were fuller. They had room for every tooth in their mouth. And it's interesting because if you look at skulls 300 years ago, everybody had wisdom teeth in, in their mouths, chewing with them. You know how often I see somebody that actually has room for wisdom teeth anymore? Maybe one in 20 to 30 people, I would say, have enough actual room in their mouth for a wisdom tooth to erupt and chew. What's going on? And how many people have crooked teeth? Again, Weston Price found people didn't have crooked teeth. When they were eating the right amount of nutrients, they didn't have crooked teeth. It's straight teeth. And here's the clincher for all of this. Everything that fits in the mouth needs room. So your tongue, the tissue at the back of the throat, soft palate, all that stuff, tonsils, like they all need room to live. Well, if your mouth forms smaller, none of that has enough room to live. So where does it go? It only has one choice. It has to go back or forward. Exactly right. It's got to go somewhere, right? So Kiddos, adults, both, this is not just kids, this is adults too, hang their mouth open to sleep because the tongue's got to come forward. Or when they lay back, the tongue falls back and they snore or they stop breathing, which is called sleep apnea. How many people do we know that say, I can't go to sleep, I can't stay asleep, and even if I did sleep, I feel like trash in the morning. Why? Because their body is literally fighting them all night long to get enough air. As soon as the body relaxes, deep sleep is is defined by paralysis, like all of our muscles relax, including all the muscles that hold the tube open that we breathe through. Well, if when you lay back, gravity takes the tongue and all the tissue that doesn't really fit in your mouth now because your mouth's too little and lets it fall back into that airway and the muscles relax because you're in deep sleep, all of a sudden you're choking. So your body will wake you up. This is why people wake up and they're wide awake and they can't go back to sleep for an hour because they've got a huge cortisol spike. The body's like, no, 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 you're dying. Wake up now. Okay, I'm going to wake up now. All right. And they can't go back to sleep because they literally are dying. They are suffocating at night. They're suffocating during the day. This is why people clench and grind their teeth. Because when you clench and grind, it engages all these airway muscles and holds everything open. So they're beating themselves up. They wake up with headaches and tension here. They're wearing their teeth off. They're flattening their teeth out. They've got all sorts of muscle and head and neck and shoulder tension because their body just has to work so hard to keep breathing. It's the craziest thing. Now, 
I adopted a little boy when he was two and a half and his teeth were so crowded as a two-year-old, they were lined up literally like airplane airplanes on a runway. Like front teeth were here, neck teeth were right behind it, next teeth were right behind it as a baby. Hmm. His birth mom actually told me, she said she knew I was a dentist. She said, I'm so glad that you're adopting him because his mouth is screwed up. <laughs> you're so right. What in the world? Well, I learned through him that the first bone affected by malnutrition is the top jaw. Isn't that interesting? So if we are malnourished as we're in utero all the way through adulthood, which we just have described how we could be that because our food doesn't have nutrients and because our guts don't digest it properly. If we are malnourished, our top jaws don't grow. We don't have enough room for all of our teeth which means we don't have enough room for our tongue. We don't have enough room for our tonsils. We don't have room for our uvula and soft palate. And we don't breathe. This leads to kids bedwetting, ADHD, focus problems, learning disabilities, because you can't do anything with your brain unless it has oxygen. It leads to adults having the same thing. Brain fog, chronic fatigue, autoimmune issues because their body's constantly fighting them all night long because you just aren't getting enough oxygen, period. So this is actually an enormous epidemic, enormous epidemic. And the crooked teeth are the sign, the sign of how bad this is. How many people do you know that need orthodontics? (laughs) Um, So big one, big one. It's a huge, it's a huge problem. So what would you say is the solution to that? If you have an adult or even a child, what would you say would be your first steps? So childs are easy. Children are easy because they're still growing. So we have a lot of interceptive orthodontic options. Um, there's one called Tooth Pillow that you can look from look at from anywhere in the world. Um, I know the, the founders of this very, very well, and they can do things virtually for you. So they will look at your kiddo and they will help you get uh, removable appliances, things that kids will wear that will actually direct their growth and development. We have to identify as a tongue tied. Why does that matter? What does the tongue tie have to do with anything? Well, the tongue, the purpose of the tongue is to actually create that soft, that roof of the mouth is the baby as the baby sucks against a nipple or a bottle. The tongue pressure upward creates the roof. So if a tongue is tied down, it actually can't put the pressure upward. It puts the pressure forward. The baby latches really forward and the palate forms narrow. When the palate forms narrow, people don't understand this. Um, Think about your roof of your mouth right now. It's the same bone as the floor of the nose. Make sense? Bottom of the nose, same bone as the roof of the mouth. So if your roof of your mouth forms narrow, your nose forms narrow. What happens when your nose forms narrow? You can't breathe through it. You hang your mouth open. When you hang your mouth open, you start you continue to grow long and lean, long and skinny instead of broad and wide where there's plenty of room for everything to fit. So we want to direct growth in kids. And we can. We absolutely can because they're still growing. And so it's wonderful to catch this in your child. If your child is mouth breathing, um, if they're snoring, if they're heavily breathing, you know, if you hear them, my son used to do this. We would know it immediately when he would fall asleep in the car. I'm like, oh, Josh is asleep because you can hear him. You can hear him breathing. Um, If they're heavily breathing, ADHD, bedwetting, any of those things that I said, you need to start looking at growth and development issues. What do you do as an adult? Well, oftentimes what happens again, same issues. If there's not enough room to breathe, we hang our mouth open, we mouth breathe, all these things happen, or you just don't sleep. Um, and oftentimes the teeth are tipped inward and there's not enough room. 
Now, orthodontists, and, uh, and I get a lot of arrows for this one, orthodontists, they figured out, oh, there's a really good solution for this. Let's just take some teeth out. It works great. Let's just take some teeth out. Then everything fits better in the mouth. Well, think about what you just did. <laughs> if you take teeth out, you've just made the mouth permanently too small for all the rest of the things that live there to fit. Teeth are straight, but you can't breathe. I joke, that not, not joke. I call this the ambient generation. It's an entire generation of people who had four teeth taken out for braces and they're now all on Ambien. Just can't sleep. My mother's one of them. <laughs> and um, so what do you do? Oftentimes the teeth are tipped in. So we actually can use clear aligners. It's like Invisalign. We actually use one called Candid that's a little different. And we tip the teeth out. We make more room for things to fit. We do tongue tie releases even on adults. We train your tongue how to come up and forward and out of the airway. We can do a lot for adults. There's often an underlying infl inflammatory problem too. We haven't even talked about root canals or, any or anything or, or areas where teeth came out where wisdom teeth were. A lot of times there's hidden infections in that area. We identify that as well. And we say, Is something creating a lot of swelling in the back of your throat. I have so many patients who come in, they can't sleep at all. <clears throat> they can't hear. They have ringing in their ears. They have all these weird symptoms that they've never equated to being dental related. We do a CT scan and I find three infected root canal teeth. No symptoms, nerves gone, no idea. It's inflaming everything. It's causing all the swelling in the back of the throat. They can't breathe past that either. So we get rid of infection. We tip those teeth out. We bring the tongue forward. They finally breathe again. They finally breathe again. So there's ways to fix things with adults too. That's amazing. I actually had uh, two, well, three root canals removed <laughs> in the last year. Two um, were in the back and I had, I had popping in my ears for many years. Um, and that is since gone. I don't have that at all anymore. Um, yeah. And and so it is truly, and I, I got, I, I had a, a post on Instagram about root canals and there were so many people that were so upset by this and who are you? Oh. You're not a dental professional. And I, and I I get it. I'm not, but I'm also the patient walking through this and seeing, and also seeing like if there's something going on with, if we can't figure out why your gut is still a wreck or why you still have all these immune system issues, there is something going on. And a lot of the times it can be found in the mouth with, you said, uh, wisdom teeth cavitations, and then also um, with uh, root canal, infected root canals. Yep. Yep. It's huge. Yeah. There's research that shows 60 to 80% of chronic disease is either connected or caused by dental health. Yeah. When I, when I first started uh, day one of applied kinesiology, which if you're not familiar is uh, muscle yeah. testing. Are you familiar with it? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So day one, February of 2013 is when I first started uh, doing it, took my first hundred hour course. And on day one, the, the doc says, um, if there's two of the most important doctors that you will ever see in your life, it's someone using applied kinesiology, usually a chiropractor and a really good dentist. Mm -hmm. And that always stuck with me because it's so true. Like the teeth is, and I always, I've said on Instagram, I've said in my membership and I've said on here, whenever there is an issue that is like, is not getting better or something's being missed, chances are it's in the mouth. Yep. Yep. Because it's overlooked. Yeah. It's never oh, looked at. It's never looked at properly. Doctor, you know, like just last week, a, a patient was like, you're number nine on the list. I'm like, well, my mission is to like become number two, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> That's my goal. Let's just skip all the rest between now and then, you know, let's just skip them all and get you where you need to go faster. 
And the other issue is you don't always have pain. Like some people think like it's like, you have pain. Like that's where it's a dental issue. No, it's not always pain. It's what you were saying. It's, it's, it's chronic fatigue. It's this just like overwhelming like inflammation where the body is just not working as it should. And so it's not always that there is a pain there. And that's why it often gets overlooked. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, there is no pain. And why? Well, when you had a root canal, the nerve is removed. That's part of the root canal procedure. They clean the nerve out of the tooth. So I tell people all the time, you've lost your early warning system. Your early warning system that something was wrong was removed with the root canal procedure. And I will find quarter size areas where bone has been eaten away in a jawbone and people have zero symptoms. We pull it up on it. So this is the, this is an absolute must. You have to go to see a dentist that has a cone beam CT scan, cone beam CT scan, write that one down. You need this because I see things on that, that I never could see before. And that's really been part of my education is dentists can't see it. We aren't just like pretending it's not there or ignoring it. We can't see it on a traditional dental x-ray. It's two dimensions. And what a dental x-ray shows me is about six months past history. It's not showing me today and it's not showing me accurately what's really going on. A cone beam CT scan is three dimension. I can turn you upside down. I can slice tiny, tiny slices and see everything that's happening. And I find massive infections that people have no idea. I found holes in the people at the bottom of people's noses that their their front tooth that got knocked when they were eight years old and they were playing basketball and somebody elbowed them, you know, and so they had, they've had a root canal since eight years old, a hole into the bottom of their nose. And what you don't realize is every time you chew, every time you bite, you are sending that bacteria through the entire bloodstream. This is why it's so impactful. And you talk about applied kinesiology. Every tooth is connected to an organ system in the body. And I've had so many crazy stories. One that I always will remember as a guy walked in, I saw him as a new patient and I looked at him and I'm pretty blunt. And I just said, you're orange. Like, has anyone told you you're orange? And he said, people ask me all the time if I do self-tanning cream. It's like, but I don't. So let's see if there's something going on here. Took an x-ray, took a CT scan and found out that he'd had an accident. I think it was just like a sporting accident. I can't believe how many people, anytime I see a root canal on, on the front tooth, I'm like, all right, what sport did this to you? You know, <laughs> this is basketball, this is baseball. My son got a baseball in the mouth when he was 11, lost his three front teeth. Best day of our lives. Um, not. So this guy had had a sporting accident and he had root canals on all four of his front teeth. Well, guess what organ system is connected to the front teeth? The liver and the kidneys. He was jaundiced and had been since the day he got those root canals. So what's the solution? People always want, okay, what do I do about it? Exactly what you did. You get the teeth out. And honestly, here's so many people say, I can't get a dentist to take my teeth out, which sounds so crazy. Like it's like crazy talk, but let me tell you why, because we are told our whole job is to save your teeth. Like that is our mission in life is to save your teeth. And if you lose a tooth, we failed. That's what we're taught. Hmm. So that's a hard one to get over as a practitioner is that it's a failure of mine if you lose a tooth. Well, I disagree completely because I'd say all the time, listen, I can replace a tooth. I can't replace your health. The failure is if we don't connect the two. That's the failure. So, so many times I'm telling people we, you need to lose lose those teeth. And I have practitioners that say, oh, don't go to that place. You're just going to lose all your teeth. You know, because they're like, oh, she pulls teeth all the time. You're just going to lose all your teeth. Well, guess what? If it means that you're going to gain your health because you're going to lose your tooth, absolutely. I'm going to tell you, you're going to lose your tooth because I can replace your tooth. We can put a ceramic dental implant in there. This tooth right here is an implant on me. 
can you tell? Do you know? It chews like a tooth. It smiles like a tooth. It looks great. I can replace your teeth. I can't replace your health. Yeah. And it's, it's such a two-lane highway, right? The the health of the body affects the teeth. The health of the teeth affects the body. Yep. And it, you have to take both of them into account. Um, one thing I'll say is you, we talked about comb beam scan. And uh, some of the cool, th- well, one is like every time that I ever see someone with Lyme, I make sure they go do a cone beam scan because the spirochetes in the jawbone and and in the cavitations and stuff is like the hidden epidemic, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it's pretty much like a 90 percenter, it seems like. Um, but also uh, the first dentist I ever saw in California who was doing uh, cone beam was able to look at my airway in different positions to see like if I'm sleeping and, and everything, if is it closed or whatever. And that's super beneficial to know. And it, you know it right there. And then it's not like you're sending lab work out and six weeks later, you are getting the results. Like it's right here. When you lie back and you go horizontal, is your airway getting narrowed? Like that's an issue. Yep. Yep. And I sit, we just sit knee to knee patient. We look at the CT scan together. I don't go through it before they, before I do it, we do it together. And I just say, okay, let's look at everything together. And it's so impactful because I'll say, okay, this is your airway. This is the tube you breathe through. For example, um, it should be a volume of, it should be this wide all the way down. And there's goes like this, you know, super skinny. And everybody goes, Oh, whoa. You know, you see it, you go, oh, whoa. Or I'll say, gosh, look at that hole. See that huge hole, like that huge bubble into your sinus. That's a massively infected root canal. Whoa, seriously? Like you see it. There's no denying it. It's not, I'm not just telling you, you've got something wrong. You're seeing something wrong yourselves. And to the point of the cavitations and Lyme, I, I have so many doctors that send me Lyme patients because people don't understand this where a tooth is removed, it doesn't just necessarily heal. There have to be a lot of factors that go into that healing that make it heal properly. It's a longer talk than we have time for, but oftentimes they don't heal and it creates a dead zone in the bone. That dead zone, any dead thing attracts bugs. We biopsy these when we clean them out and we find bacteria, virus, fungus, parasites, like I said, spirochetes, everything's swimming around in there. It's disgusting. I tell people this, they're like, that's gross. I'm like, you're right. It's a cesspool in your jawbone right now. It's gross. So we actually have to go back in, clean that cesspool out, disinfect it with ozone, and then we fill it up with stem cells. So it finally heals. And we have seen the craziest things result. Everything from a woman who literally was bed bound to waking up and doing dishes the next morning after cleaning these jawbone infections out. People out of wheelchairs. I mean, these are like the crazy stories. Somebody who was totally going deaf now has their hearing back, but also little things. Like I have the energy to play with my grandkids again. I'm sleeping through the night again. I, my autoimmune disease is in remission. You know, just things like that that we see every single day because you get the inflammatory and the infectious burden out of the body and the body can finally heal. Totally. Um, so we have a little bit more time. I, I th- One thing that pops up in my head for, for listeners is a lot of our listeners are wondering what they can do for their children. And just like, what would you say um, from a standpoint of just maintaining good teeth health? You know, how many, how often to get visits, you know, uh, just good dental hygiene from your very functional approach. What are some things that people should know uh, and, and uh, give them some action steps? Yep. So people always say, how young should I take my, you know, what is the first time I should take my child to the dentist? And my answer is about two, a year and a half, two years old. Why? Well, we're certainly not going to be able to take x-rays or I can be able to do any of that stuff, but we just need you to get used to, we need them to get used to us. 
because we are going to be partner in your healthcare and their healthcare. So we just need them to get used to us. So we give them a ride in the chair. We give them a toy. My grandbaby, she's two years old. She just came in. She screamed the whole way through the appointment, you know, and her mom's like, Oh no, is this terrible? I said, no, no, because next time she won't scream as much because we gave her a toy at the end. We, we did nothing. And we just looked at her mouth and made sure everything was okay. But you know, their babies are not used to that. So we need to get them used to that. That's all it is. We give them a toy. We let them, you know, brush with something fun. We give them a ride in the chair. And so next time they're like, oh yeah, that place actually wasn't too bad. You know, so they get used to us. The other thing we do is we talk about growth and development early on. And my, like my grandbaby, her teeth are super crowded as an infant, as a two-year-old. That's not okay. Baby teeth should have spaces. There should be a lot of spaces because permanent teeth are bigger than baby teeth. So if your baby teeth are tight and crowded, your permanent teeth have no hope. (laughs) So we can start using growth and development devices at age two and three years old, we can start doing some growth. Five is kind of the sweet spot. That's when we really like to do it. But unless we, if we haven't seen your child till they're like eight, we've missed some of that window. Does that make sense? The other thing we do is we talk to you about looking in your child's mouth. It is devastating to me when I see a baby or I see a child and I say, I have to tell the mom, you have, they have four teeth that are actually decayed to the nerve. We're going to have to do some sedation where they're going to have to have some crowns on this. You know, this is expensive. And the mom's like, what are you talking about? We lean the child back. We show them the black spots. They're like, I've never noticed those before. You need to look, you need to notice, you need to see what's happening in your mouth. So we teach you how to do that too. So the best prevention is your eyes. Mom and dad is your eyes. I, you know, the people tell me all the time, my kid throws a fit when I brush their teeth. Oh, well, (laughs) you know, there's some things that are good, better, and best. And the best is the, you want to keep their mouth healthy. So what I do is I put a headlock on that little boy, a little kid, you know, their arm goes behind you. You put the hand under the chin, keep their head back, and you're going to brush for them until they have enough dexterity to use a knife and fork effectively. That's when they are dexterous enough to actually brush effectively. How old is that? Like eight. So I say you bargain with the child. You, you just tell them, I am going to brush one time a day and you can brush one time a day. Which one would you like to do? Do you want morning or do you want night? So now you give them a choice of the things that you want. They you don't get a choice on whether you brush or not, but you give them a choice on if they're going to do morning or if they're going to do nighttime. You have to be brushing. You have to be in their mouth. You have to be looking at what's going on. Hydroxyapatite is what you're going to use for your kids from now on. So I have a tooth powder that's uh, citrus flavored. There's other products on the market as well that are very, very good that are hydroxyapatite based. No more fluoride. It's hydroxyapatite. They are swallowing everything you put in their mouth. Look at the label. Do you want it in their mouth? Do you want it in their body? I don't want any of that crap in my body, in my kids' bodies. So they're swallowing it all. Do you really want that in there? Make sure everything on the label is something you would want them to eat. So make sure you're brushing. Make sure you're visiting the dentist every six months. People say, well, do we have to do x-rays? We can't, we don't have x-ray vision with our eyeballs. So I can see the chewing surface of your kid's teeth. I can see the smiling surface, but I can't see in between them. So we absolutely do need x-rays. We have to be able to see in between those teeth to see what's happening in between those teeth. What do you need to do in between those teeth? You need to clean them. So there's little floss holders. They're kid-friendly versions. You know, you can use if a tooth touches the next tooth over, it needs to be flossed. That's the rule of thumb for kids. You can brush. If there's lots of spaces everywhere, brushing is all you need to do. But if a tooth touches it needs to be flossed and it needs to be x-rayed. We need to see what's going on in between those surfaces at least once a year. 
typically is what we recommend. X-rays are super low dose radiation anymore. And one way that you can mitigate that radiation is you do vitamin E. So it's called a tocotrienol and it's vitamin E and it will help mitigate any of that radiation in the system. So we just give it to patients as soon as we do x-rays on them, but you can do the same thing at home. You're just going to take vitamin E. You can do droppers for you drops for kids. You can do just a, you know, a gel cap for an adult. That'll, that'll mitigate that radiation. Um, it's worth it. And honestly, it's just frequency for dental health. Because if we see you at three or child three and we say, oh, wow, there's no way these teeth are going to fit. So we're going to get going on some interceptive orthodontic appliances at five. Great. Let's see you tell them. Let's make sure everything's good. At five, we get going. We can avoid braces sometimes entirely because we're mm-hmm. helping the mouth to grow. So it's all just early and prevention and lots of exposure. You're looking and we're looking. I got a question for you. Um, so I was at a seminar once. I treated this doctor who... Uh, has a large following and he invited me to his his seminar which is all about functional medicine and he had his dentist there who's part of the program and that dentist uh was the first time that i'd heard this and i'm i'm curious your thoughts is everyone loves oil pulling with coconut oil and he was saying that that coconut oil does not um, just kill the bad bacteria, also kills the good bacteria, and that he never recommended oil pulling. Do you have a uh, view on that? I do. So I agree. A coconut oil is particularly antifungal, which honestly, if you have a fungal infection, candida issue in the mouth, which often will show up as a sore tongue or a white tongue. So if your tongue's white or sore or cracked, it's often fungal based. Um, so coconut oil is fabulous for that. However, it is, it's broad spectrum, meaning it's going to kill anything. It does, it's not selective. Oil pulling works. Why does it work? Because bugs have fatty outside membrane. Uh, the outside of all of them is, is fats. So when you put fat in your mouth, oil in your mouth, and you swish it, it literally pulls those bacteria, whatever it is, out from the nooks and crannies in the mouth. It does work. But like you said, you do it every single day of your life and you're pulling everything, good and bad. So if you want to do oil pulling, I'm not opposed to it, but you have to do it the right way. So what I recommend is a loading dose. You basically do it three days in a row to kind of get the biome started to change. And then I usually will recommend it about every three days. So every three days, and there is research showing a little bit anecdotal, like a lot of stories, because it's been going on in India for thousands of years, long before they had, you know, traditional research. Uh, Lots of stories about it being helpful for gut biome and other things as well. Could it be? I, I don't doubt that it could be, but I don't want it every day. You don't need to do it every day. What do I recommend instead? I actually recommend colloidal silver instead. And there's a specific colloidal silver different from ionic. Ionic silver is what a lot of the less expensive uh, silver solutions have. The problem with ionic silver is it's active. So it's going to go bind something, which is okay for if it's a bug and we're binding it, but it also binds to our cells. That's when people turn blue <laughs> from using silver. It's ionic silver. It's not colloidal. Colloidal just is suspended. It's just floating in the water. It's going to attack whatever we're wanting it to attack and then it's going to leave. It's not going to bind to you. So I use colloidal silver because it's specific. It goes after the bad bugs and not the good bugs. And so that's what I use on a daily basis. I have a mouth rinse that has that. You'll you'll find other products that do as well. That's what I recommend using as a, on a daily basis for gum health to control and manage gum health, bad breath issues, um, also what I've had some herbals in mind that help with dry mouth. A lot of people really suffer from dry mouth, uh, it helps with dry mouth. It helps with inflammation. Um, so there's ways to get the benefit of oil pulling without the negative of oil pulling. And I just, I substitute it. Cool. Um, all right, Lauren, any 
last minute question. One more follow-up question about orthodontics. Cause you mentioned it just slightly about like, maybe you won't need braces. Um, is orthodontics the, um, solution that we think it is, um, or that most people think it is. And, um, you know, the things that we can do, like you mentioned tooth pillow, which I love. I had a meeting with them a couple of weeks ago. They are great people. And I love that that is, becoming more available to a lot of people because it's about palate expansion. But tell me just like a few little quick points about orthodontics because so many parents are being faced with this decision and they're being told they need braces or their child needs braces. Yep. So my question, first of all, is why is it, why are the teeth crooked? You know, so to me, that's the biggest question is you have to address why are the teeth crooked? Well, it's usually a malnutrition issue. It's a growth and development issue, perhaps, you know, bottle feeding, but you know, I adopted two kids. It's, I am never going to slam mamas who aren't breastfeeding until their child's three. I mean, that is just not going to be me. <laughs> I'm not going to go there because that's not helpful. <laughs> so um, sometimes it is just what happened with a child when they were developing. So what are orthodontics going to do? Do you need them? Well, the question is, do you need straight teeth? You don't need straight teeth, but you need more room in your mouth. So if the orthodontics are going to address this deficiency of space, then yes, they're very beneficial. If they're going to tip teeth, if they're going to make more room, if they're going to have, if they're going to expand the palate, if they're going to make more room in the mouth for everything to function, then I'm all on board. If they're going to pull four teeth and make your mouth smaller, then I am not on board. So it's understanding what the goal is. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. When you need to understand the goal of the orthodontics, it's not just to make your smile pretty. It's to help you so you can breathe. So that when you're 50, you're not on Ambien. That's the purpose of orthodontics. Let's make more room in your mouth. Yeah. Love it. Definitely. It's all about expanding that palate, expanding that mouth (laughs) and that airway. All right. Dr. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on here. This was, I mean, there's so much information. I think that parents and patients, adults, anyone can glean some just really good information and some starting steps for them to maybe look at some systemic causes of their health issues. Love it. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to share. Yeah, it was great to have you. Great to have a good conversation about such an important field of medicine that a lot of people know, but they don't know a lot about. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll we'll tag your um, your social media in the uh, show notes. Is it living well with Dr. Michelle? Living well with Dr. Michelle. Yep. Living well with Dr. Michelle. Check it out. I have so much free information online. Everybody just go find it. Go to the website, living well with Dr. Michelle. My dental office is also total care dental. And the most frequent question I get is where do I find a dentist just like you? Like, you know, 30 times a day, people ask that question. So I've actually created an online directory. So if you go to livingwellwithdrmichelle.com, I have an online directory of dentists that I have vetted that I know what they do. And so you can go there and find somebody that's closer to you because that to me, well, that's the biggest question I get. (laughs) That's the most frequent question I get. And I'm just wanting to help, just wanting to help people find a place that can provide the care that I teach about. So go on there, check it out, check out the resources, check out the tooth powder. There's just so much there that you can learn from. Awesome. All right. Thanks everyone for tuning in and we will see y'all on the next one. Great.